0: is here, yeah I just feel such a tenderness of the Spirit of God in this place, so I agree with Jared, it's hard to move on from this place, and so for the next little bit, I'm not going to talk very long today, but it is Pentecost Sunday, and I, I feel the Lord, His holy Spirit wants to breathe afresh in our church this morning. Recently, I was reading a story about a man who lived 150 years ago. His name was Charles Finney. Amazing revivalists who one day walked into a factory. And without saying a word, as he walked into that factory, somebody who was working there stopped what they were doing and just started to be aware of God. As he stood there in the corner of this factory, a second person stopped what they were doing at their workstation and fell on their knees and started to cry out before God. A third, fourth, fifth person, all without one word being spoken from this man of God. After a while, the whole factory had stopped doing their work. People who had never even thought about God up to that point now had an awareness of God this is incredible without a word spoken just something changed in the atmosphere that day a man who lived a hundred years ago by the name of Smith Wigglesworth I was reading a story about him and he, one day he was sitting on a train and saying nothing without a word being spoken, and someone opposite him started crying and just started calling out to God for salvation. This continued to the whole carriage started being aware of this person of Jesus Christ, who before that point, they had never given a second thought. This morning, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about the fact that we carry, as believers, we carry the Holy Spirit. As we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, there would be so many people in this church, in this family that could get up here and, and grab the microphone and do an amazing job to talk about what it means to live a lifestyle of walking with the Holy Spirit. And I'm so blessed we live in a community and a family of people that what I'm about to speak about, they've been living for 10 years 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. So it's a privilege that I get to speak to you this morning, um, even though I have a relatively shorter journey. We understand that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's the Trinity. I remember being at Bible College, and I think it was C.S. Lewis that wrote, and we were talking about this at Bible College, and I remember reading something from C.S. Lewis, I think it was, He was saying, for thousands of years, years, scholars have tried to understand the Trinity and have come up short. We have no real explanation about how the Trinity actually works. We try and use analogies and things like this, but the point is that there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all three distinct different persons, but yet they're one. It's a crazy thought. I'm not going to take that any further because I, I can't explain it. But how many know that if our head is as big as God's, there's something wrong? So if you're here this morning and you don't understand something, that's actually okay. It's actually normal. It's actually normal to serve a God who's actually bigger than your head, bigger than my head. The Holy Spirit is not some weird uncle of God the Father and God the Son, The Holy Spirit has had some bad press previously. But he's actually God. He's actually a person of the Trinity. He's actually God. And yet he's a distinct person of the Trinity. In fact, Jesus actually said in John chapter 16, he actually said, hey, he'd been here doing it on this earth 2,000 years ago doing ministry with his followers. And he said, hey, at the pinnacle of Jesus' ministry, he said, it's actually better that I go because then the Holy Spirit will come. This is who is actually living inside of us. If you're here this morning and you're a believer, you're born again, then you have the Spirit of God actually living on the inside of you. This is the greatest miracle that we have. We love seeing healed people made well. We love seeing people with addictions broken. We love people, seeing people come out of poverty into, into blessing and financial favor. But there's the one greatest miracle. The one greatest miracle, hands down, is when somebody steps out of darkness and into light. When someone makes a decision, they realize the free gift that God has given, His grace and His mercy, that we can stand before God righteous. That right now if I die, I can stand before Almighty God because Jesus has paid all the penalty for my sin. This is the greatest gift that we have. This is the greatest miracle, is that I can stand before God righteous and in full relationship with the Father this morning. And for everyone who's had this experience here, which is most of us, this, there's another crazy thing that happens that I don't understand. But God himself, the Holy Spirit, actually comes and lives on the inside of me, lives on the inside of you. This is crazy. As we come and we're, through that born-again experience, the Holy Spirit himself actually comes and takes up residence inside of us. Although the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit doesn't rest upon every believer. Let me say this again before you all walk out. The Holy Spirit lives in every believer, but it's, but it's clear, and I'm, we're going to have a look at the Bible in a second, so don't worry, but it's clear that the Holy Spirit doesn't rest upon everybody. We see the stories of Smith Wigglesworth and Charles Finney, how they had such, um, the Holy Spirit so rested so, remained upon them that when they walked into atmospheres, things changed. How many know that the same Spirit that lives inside of me lived inside of them? But there was another dimension of the Holy Spirit resting upon their lives where differences happened in environments. Quickly, let's go to the Bible. John chapter 1. We'll start at verse 29. This is the, the context here is when Jesus. Um, is about to start his ministry, and he actually gets baptized by John the Baptist. It says here in John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Verse 32, it says, Then John gave this testimony I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Here, John at Jesus' baptism is saying that literally the the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descended on Jesus as in a dove. And the key verse here is, He remained. This was the first time in history that the Holy Spirit had remained on somebody. In the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit coming upon prophets for a particular task. And when the task was over, the Holy Spirit would relinquish. And now for the first time in history, the Holy Spirit, it says here, came upon Jesus and remained. We have this picture that John describes and it's like a dove. That lands on Jesus, and it says that dove, the Holy Spirit, remained. Just think about it for a second. How do we live in such a way that the dove never leaves our shoulder? It's an interesting thought. How do I walk down these stairs so that the dove never leaves my shoulder? The answer is that everything I do, I do with the dove in mind. It's not only walking down the stairs, it's anywhere where I go. Everything is through the filter of this dove that has now rested upon my shoulder. Jesus lived a lifestyle of the Holy Spirit resting upon him, that everything he did was through the filter of the Holy Spirit resting upon him. Everything he did, he did with the dove in mind, the Holy Spirit. We need to stop and remember for a second that everything that Jesus did on the earth, he did, he did as a man. Even though he never stopped being eternally God, everything he did as a man. The Bible said he could do nothing of himself. Jesus Christ put aside his godly attributes and took on the form as a man. Everything he did, his miracles, hearing the voice of God, everything was as a man through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this was to give us an example of what to follow. If he did everything as eternally God, we applaud that. But the fact that he did it as a man means I can't stay where I am. I have to move forward because he's modeled something that I'm no longer satisfied for without So, Jesus clearly models what a a lifestyle looks like to every step he took. Everything he did was so dependent on the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul actually put some more language to this life, how to walk in this, this lifestyle of the Holy Spirit, how to host the Spirit, how to host his presence. How to create an environment where the Holy Spirit would remain upon us as believers. The Apostle Paul gives us two commands, and I want to quickly look at them this morning. Two guardrails, or two cornerstones, or two foundations where we can apply as we go on this journey to living and learning how to walk with the Holy Spirit. The first one is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 30. We'll start at verse 29. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be benefit to those who listen. Here's the key verse. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This is, I believe, one of the two Guardrails or, or, or foundational elements whereby we can actually learn to live, to be people that host the presence, to be people that actually that the Spirit actually wants to come and dwell and remain upon us. This first one is not to grieve the Holy Spirit. By implication in this verse, what Paul is saying is it's actually possible for us to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's actually possible. It doesn't mean we lose our salvation. But what it means is we actually grieve Him. This original word actually means to bring hurt or to bring pain. We have to remember that the Holy Spirit isn't an emig- emigba. Is that the right word? Emigna. I think that's right. He's actually a person. And the point is that because He's a person, that means that, that, that the Holy Spirit can withdraw that might be not the right word, but I think you're getting the point. We, we're creating, the Apostle Paul says, do not grieve the Spirit of God. The implication is that we can do things that actually grieve the Holy Spirit to the point where He's not welcome to rest upon our lives. This is things like sin. This is stuff like what we're doing when nobody's watching, our character, our thoughts our desires, our actions. Like I said, stuff when no one's looking. It really matters to God. When I think about this stuff, I often think of King David before he became king and the fact that one of the reasons he was a man after God's own heart was because of what he was doing and not doing when no one was watching. He was named as a man after God's own heart because of the things he was doing and not doing in the secret place. The things he was doing when he was looking after his father's sheep when no one was there. Of course, Jesus clearly modeled for us what it was like, what was possible for someone to live without sin and, what, and the effect that had on his relationship with the Holy Spirit and the Father. The second command that Paul gives us in Scripture is in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19. it says do not quench the spirit that's pretty clear pretty short and to the point do not quench the spirit once again the implication here with what paul is saying is that it's actually possible to quench the spirit of god i believe personally this is this is the second cornerstone or guardrail for us to live a life where we're actually hosting his presence do not quench the spirit. This word quench actually means to stem the flow or to stop the flow or or restrict the flow. You just imagine when you're at home and like you all are, you're really keen gardeners, I'm sure here, and um, you plug in your hose and you go and water the garden. How many know that it's not difficult to find where the end of the hose is Um, once you turn the water on. It's pretty easy. The water just flows out. Unless there's a blockage, unless there's a tap on the end that's turned off, all you have to do is just turn the water on and it's very easy to find the end of the hose. This word quench actually means when we stop the flow. It actually means when we kink the hose. And what Paul is saying, he says, do not quench, do not kink the hose. The implication is that the Holy Spirit, by design, actually wants to flow, actually flows by design. It's in his very nature to flow and move through us as vessels, as a hose, so to speak. And what Paul here is exhorting us, he's encouraging us, do not quench the Spirit of God. Do not stem the flow. We quench the Spirit of God with, with this analogy when we kink the hose. When all of a sudden we decide that the Spirit of God who is willing and is, is wanting to impact in every area, all of a sudden we decide to grab the hose and, and kink it. How many know that by design the Holy Spirit is wanting to actually invade every impossibility? The Holy Spirit wants to flow through us and by design, natural design, He actually wants to glorify Jesus. Every time He comes up against sickness, disease, He wants to actually glorify Jesus and invade impossibilities. This is the role of the Holy Spirit by design. When we walk into dark places, naturally by design, the Spirit of God wants to in, infect in a good way and impact environments. So He says, do not quench the Spirit of God. A few months ago, I, I felt I was led by the Lord to do a 30-day challenge. And in that 30-day challenge was something where every day I was intentionally going to talk to someone about Jesus someone that I didn't know. And it started off really good. Um, It started off with an encounter that I had with someone in a lift that didn't turn out very well, but that was all right. That was day one. Someone tried to beat me up in a lift. But, and so every day, it was either to, 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 to share the gospel with someone, to give someone a prophetic word, to go and encourage someone, to go and speak some life over somebody. All people that I didn't know and that were not familiar with church. This is where I felt the Lord was leading me for 30 days. And the Lord, the Lord um, taught me so much stuff. But one of the biggest things by the end of the 30 days was the fact that I had a realization that by design, the Holy Spirit actually wants to impact people's lives. And what we do sometimes is, sometimes because we've kinked the hose for so long, we actually start creating these crazy ideas that are never in the heart of God and never reflect the person of the Holy Spirit. We start to say things like, oh, maybe the Lord isn't interested in that person. Or maybe the Lord doesn't speak anymore. Or maybe even the Lord doesn't heal anymore. Or is it God's will that that person be healed? These are all crazy things that we create in our own heads because we've we've grabbed that hose and we've kinked it and we will not let it go. About halfway through this 30-day challenge, I was... It was 11 o'clock at night and I still hadn't spoken to anyone that day. And I was out on site at a roadworks site and my, I was finished what I was doing on site and my car was parked over there and I thought, alright, I'm going to have to walk the long way around through the site and I'll, to get to my car and I was looking for someone to talk to. And when I thought all hope was gone there was a traffic controller that stepped out and started telling me some jokes and I really wanted to get home. It was 11 o'clock at night. But what I found out was that the Holy Spirit is interested. All of a sudden, the jokes turn into a a deeper conversation and all of a sudden, he started pouring his heart out. All of a sudden, in every single person, there's places where people are hurting. There's people that need just a word of hope. In a situation, and so probably at 11:30 at night, I got to pray with this guy, and then I went home. But the point is that the Holy Spirit, by design, is always looking for a for, for a place to release. By design, He's always looking for a place to land. He's always looking for a place to rest upon, and oftentimes, for whatever reason, disappointments in the past, because this whole deal of hearing His voice can sometimes be a journey. We clamp that hose tight and we start saying these crazy thoughts. Well, the Holy Spirit just doesn't work through me. Or maybe that's for a select few. Or maybe that's for a Smith Wigglesworth or a Charles Finney or someone else. These crazy thoughts. I want to encourage you today. The other thing I found out after this 30 day challenge was that busyness was actually stopping the Holy Spirit flowing through my life. I started going to meetings five minutes early when no one else was in the room and would just sit there and say, turn my affection towards him and say, Lord, what do you want to do in this place today? What do you want to say? Is there one word that he wants to do? I encourage you to take five. Take five minutes. It's not long, but it's amazing what happens in our busy schedule in life when we actually stop. Maybe you're in the doctor's surgery. I encourage you to, as you're sitting there waiting, take five. Just turn your affection towards him and look around and see who he's wanting to impact that day. Maybe it's in the grocery store. Maybe the person who's scanning your groceries Just take five and just ask the Lord, is is there something you want to say through me to this person today? Maybe it's $50 that you're going to give them. Maybe it's a hug. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Whatever it is, the Lord is always, the Holy Spirit is always looking to impact people's life. Joel, if you could come up and just plan the keys. I told you I'm not going to speak long this morning. Although Joel could play for half an hour, who knows? (laughs) I believe the Lord is calling us to be people that host his presence be people that not only because of our born-again experience have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, but He wants us to be people that actually embody the Holy Spirit, have the Holy Spirit resting upon us to such a degree that when we walk into places, environments change. People might not have language for it, but all they know is when you walked into their place, something shifted, something changed. This is the effect we have. I'm sure if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, you'd agree that it's a journey. We don't always get it right. But there's one thing, is that I'll pay any price to be a person who hosts His presence to have the Holy Spirit so resting upon me. Whatever the cost is, I'll pay it. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say these words because I'm up here with the microphone this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you, you say, yeah, well, that's fine, Ben, but Smith Wigglesworth, Charles Finney, these all had an amazing calling of God on their life. The crazy thing is that Smith Wigglesworth, at the end of his life, he was the one that said he had such a, a confidence that he believed everyone should be doing or could do what he was doing. And Jesus Himself said, Hey, as the Father sends me, I now send you. And then he said further, and he said, Greater works shall you do than these. So we have no excuse. This is the privilege that we get is to carry him into every environment. On Pentecost Sunday this morning, let's be people that say the ultimate yes as we already have this morning and carry Him into every environment because He is looking for places to rest. Our model is Jesus. He lived a life without sin and in total relationship with the Father through the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray in a moment and then we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Just as everyone closes their eyes for a moment, maybe you're here and you you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you're here and you can't say that If you died right now, you could stand before God and know that you're right with God. Like I said before, I want to give you an opportunity right now. I want to include you in a prayer. This is the greatest miracle that any of us can experience. Is actually the born again experience. Is actually the miracle of God actually coming and living on the inside of us. If that's you this morning and you want forgiveness of your sin... I want to include you in a simple prayer. I'll just ask you if you could put your hand up across this place. Anyone this morning, you're not here by accident. Today is the day of salvation. If you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, maybe you've done this before and for whatever reason reason you've drifted away. This morning, He gives you an invitation. If that's you, just quickly, I'll, I'll just ask once more before we move on. If that's you this morning, if you just want to put your hand up, Thank you, I see that hand down the back. Thank you. You can put that down now. Anyone else this morning? You just want to say yes to Jesus. You want a brand new start. You want forgiveness for your sin. Yes, thank you. Another two hands. You can put them down now. It's not by accident that you're here this morning. There's a loving Father that is calling us to Himself. Anyone else? There's three people that have said they want to receive Jesus this morning. Anybody else wants to say yes to Jesus? I'm going to pray, and for those who want to receive him, would you repeat these words after me? And actually, everyone's going to do this together. Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I hand control of my life to you. Come and live on the inside of me. Make me brand new. And today I choose to live the rest of my life for you. Amen. Why don't we celebrate that this morning? I've got one more verse for you. Keep going, Joel. Thanks. How do you get better from here? On Pentecost Sunday. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest. There's that word again, rest, on each of them. All were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Why don't you just stand this morning? We're just going to invite the person of the Holy Spirit. So just get in a place of receiving. Maybe it's just your hands out front like you're about to receive a gift. Like Jared said before, there's something about hunger. Maybe you've come to church a thousand times before. Maybe you've heard sermons like this preached. You're someone who's walked with the Spirit all the days of your life. Today I believe the Lord wants to pour out afresh on you this morning. Just get in a posture to Receive. Just in these few moments, just turn your affection towards him. He is such a lover that as soon as we start to turn our affection, our awareness towards the person of the Holy Spirit, he starts to manifest. Just as you're here, I just encourage you to cry out to the Lord from that place of hunger just cry out for him to fill you afresh this morning. Jesus, we cry out for more of you. Thank you, Jesus. In the past, the the world's seen. In history, we've seen individual men and women who have carried the presence and have invaded and impacted environments. But what I believe is happening right now is that the Lord is raising up a generation that will know how to host the presence. We've seen individuals do it in the past and we've seen the amazing impact. But right now we're in such a critical time in history that the Lord is raising up generations. It won't just be one or two individuals. It will be all of us who will learn and pay any price to be people that host His presence to be people that the Holy Spirit would so be welcome and comfortable to come and dwell and rest upon us. I believe we're stepping into a time when, as people filled with the Holy Spirit go into places, that we're just going to see what the Holy Spirit will do. Impossibilities that will bow their knee to the name of Jesus. A generation that will no longer be impressed by the devil, but will live in response to the Father.